Hello, this is episode 247 of the Growth Psychology Podcast on Nisha Rani. This episode is on split personalities, the ultimate unicorns possible. I'm going to record two podcasts together on very different topics. I think it just shows the span of what I'm always working on, researching, thinking. The last few weeks have been filled with the sort of diversities that I thrive in. This is a continuation of the podcast on acceptance and also the one on how we overlabel people. It's yet again why I use personality rather than other aspects to help people see themselves, to value themselves, to understand their needs, everyone's difference, how our experiences form us, how we have to integrate these and not just cast them aside as trauma. This is a sort of a hidden specialist topic of mine. The split I most work with is INFJ, ISFJ. And again, like my podcast previously on ENFJs and INFJs, and also the one on INFJs and INFPs, it's how one letter makes such a difference in terms of needs and attributes and traits and strengths. Like all of my work, I find this develops over a number of years. And I've had various different scenarios and people and families drawn to work with me over the last few years. I joke that much of my work begins in the maternity ward, and increasingly so when it feels like factory farming, rather than the holistic, grounded, natural, feminine experience. It's like I said, there are so many aspects of humanity I care about, and you can add childbirth and mothering to the list. I started with students initially who had suffered at the hands of mothers with split personalities. And then I moved on to work with families who were living in a really extreme negative version of this, increasingly so. It was like the potency of it built up over time. And now I've moved on, having worked on changing those cycles, I've now progressed to working with people with split personalities that I would rather view as dual personalities, people who have the both attributes possible in a positive way. So let's talk this out because there is a negative attribute to it, but there's also a possible positive one. Essentially, in the most negative cases, what I do is I pick the personality that the person is most loaded towards or has the greatest strengths or they found the areas that they like that most associate with one of the personalities and I encourage them to have the needs of that personality so that they sort of tip the balance towards it and I help families to break the negative patterning associated with just using the negative attributes of both personalities, which is essentially what the negative sense does. It takes the worst possible of both extremes and puts them together with very little positivity of either. And that's what makes it so difficult to live with. Of course, that situation happens when people are unhappy, when they're stressed, and there are often cyclical processes to it so you will often find at certain times of the year due to either sleep patterns or pressures within their environment or 
trigger points to do with grief often in families, generational grief patterns or other aspects come into play. And so there will be good and bad times of the year. You know that you've sort of broken the cycle when you can create less trigger points and less looping and people can navigate the stressful times and be harmonious and still be the best of themselves. Like that's ultimately what you're trying to do. This is why I say I don't change people or fix them. I optimize them because what you're optimizing them to do is to be the best of themselves, the best of the personality that they most tip towards. But the positive sense of this is that you can actually utilize both personalities positively. You don't have to be in this looping cycle. But for the families who live in this negative situation, it's it's often as if they're trying to live with a mini Hitler or a mini Trump. Many dictators and ones that are very impressionable to a wider community and, and speak passionately to a wider audience are, are gifted at the ability to speak at deep insecurities in others for their own personal power and gain. This is essentially what they do because they have the ability to step outside themselves in this, in this massive empathy state where they become others' viewpoints and they know what to say to them and how to read them and how to see their trigger points and how to use those and how to be incredibly strategic in using those to go forward. And so where you have INFJs who are very capable of looking at humanity and finding the best solutions, you can have an attribute of an INFJ that can look at humanity and create the worst, create the Holocaust. Where you have an ISFJ person who's incredibly strategic with language, they are exceptional um, at marketing ideas, at finer details, at strategy. I joke they make fantastic war generals. They can see the finer details. They can be hyper-focused, incredibly in control. And all of those skills can be combined to completely control a family unit so that they are the person that the entire household revolves around. And then they can use the skill set that they have to find all the guilt trigger points to continue that vortex in people to continue to have only their needs met. And in quite a negative way, because no matter how much you fulfill those needs, it's like a bottomless pit inside of them. They're still not fulfilled. They're still asking constantly for something outside of themselves to be met and for this vortex to continue. And it doesn't feed their soul or diffuse the anxiety or often the depression that they're feeling and the sheer unhappiness that they're feeling inside. And then that in turn makes them want to control the environment even more. So you can see why it's a really negative cycle that's so easy to keep feeding. And there are often very significant guilt points that can be triggered very easily, especially in the mother 
because I often find that there's a correlation between premature babies or uh, a traumatic birth or an illness in the mother which prevents them from bonding in those critical few weeks after the birth. Postnatal depression is very common as well as a trigger point. Or the last one is if the mother themselves was brought up by a very narcissistic parent. When parents are narcissistic, their children are an extension of them. And so in one sense, they will present them to the world as being the best thing possible almost on a, you know as an object on a pedestal but if the object gets too much attention and attention that's taken away from them they will then take the child down off the pedestal take the object off the pedestal and sort of de-promote them almost and so the child will be in this sense of constantly trying to behave in a way that will be rewarding and take them back onto the pedestal and not really understand at times why they're taken off it when they don't really appear to be doing anything wrong. Often at those moments they're actually excelling, but it's just that they're taking the attention away from the parent who's living through them. So that's the sort of dynamic that's created. And, and obviously some children, when they grow up to be parents themselves, don't realise the impact of that behaviour on their own patterning. Or... They do realise it and they try to overcompensate because often in those situations that they grew up in, there's a lack of real tactile emotional love and emotional language. And depending on the personality then of your own child, bizarrely, not all personalities respond well to complete smothering tactile emotional feeling language. There are personalities who are very thinking, who prefer a slightly less complex and more thinking and more analytical language and communication style themselves. And so that can be part of the dynamic too. So that's what I mean when you start to bring personalities and generational personalities into play is when you start, you can really explain to families what's going on in everybody's head and why everyone's reacting the way that they do. Because no two people will react the same in a situation. And it's, it's like having this cauldron full of ingredients to sort of pick your way through. It reminds me of that Harry Potter and um, potions class where they're trying to create the antidote and they're trying to, you know, find what went into it. A lot of my work is almost like trying to create the antidote in, in showing people all the different little quirks of the personality aptitudes and generational patterning that's gone into creating the potion. But there's another way to look at this. There's a positive way to look at this. I am probably like the queen of optimism, as everybody knows who works with me. Like I'm, I'm seen as being ridiculously, overly positive, as, as everything being possible. You have two personalities here that have unique skill sets. I've already recorded a podcast on INFJs, you know, the, the unicorns, as I see them. But there are a branch of unicorns that have a really highly developed sensing aspect. One of the little tells for me that they have gone through something in their life and they possibly have been in an abusive situation or not come from the most perfect family background or whatever it is. Rather than judging that, which again, this has a lot to do with stepping outside yourself and how you see people. 
I don't automatically see it as negative that people have had a different life path or even a difficult life path. I see that as very forming. So you have this sense that they have developed an aspect to themselves that they would not have developed in a perfect environment. And so they have a skill set that they naturally had to be able to read the world and to see the, the world through quite a unique lens that not very many people see the world through. But they also have a deep understanding of how to sell that almost to people, how to market it, how to use language that speaks to other people, how to write. I always say that they write exceptionally good converting press releases almost. Their language comes out as press releases to people. They have an ability to look at the details in a way that INFJs don't always. They're big picture thinkers. They're not always that interested in the, in the, the microscopic details. They're both pattern viewers, but one of them is viewing patterns on a big scale and the other one is viewing patterns on a micro scale. INFJs don't always understand that they need to do to have self-care and to have a routine. The most dysfunctional INFJs in the world are the ones who don't work that out, who, who overly give of themselves, outside of themselves, and don't know that they need to have their own self-care package to keep having something to pour from. They're not replenishing their own needs. ISFJs naturally have very good routines, very good self-control, have a real sense of what works for them, have a very good scheduling, and gravitate towards interests that are very grounding and very self-containing, the aspects that INFJs struggle with. INFJs are not always good at making money. They're a bit too idealistic. ISFJs are very good at making money. So they can create a real monetary gain for their ideals. So you can see that when I start to take the best of both personalities and put them together, rather than looking at this as some dysfunctional split, I've now got a highly functioning, positive, dual aspect taking place. It's all about if you can take the experiences that have happened in your life and find yourself within those and ground them and find the best of yourself and feel good in your difference. And yet again, in the last number of weeks, I've been reminded that the people who write the reports from my students and who often dictate their future just want to fit in themselves. So their idea of difference always comes with a taint. It always comes with a comparison to normal. So rather than being normal, you're just different. And the biggest aspect I need humanity to embrace is being different. This is why, despite all of my interests, passions, projects, despairs often, I keep using personality to ground this because it always works. But I need you to want to be different. I need you to automatically see that possibility in others. Difference equals secureness. And from secureness, we can have harmony in humanity. But we have to start with the difference.